and to get up here and, and sing and no music and, and uh, they did a great job, didn't they? And we appreciate that, appreciate that very, very much. Luke chapter 16 in your Bibles this morning. Luke chapter 16, please don't get worried because of the title that you see today. Uh, and uh, I, I need you to give me, give me a little grace. And I, uh, I, don't, I don't preach on hell very much at Calvary. In fact, if anything, I, I probably don't preach on it enough. Uh, I didn't go back and check in my records, but I, if, I, if I had went back and checked, I'm sure it's been many, many months, many months since I've preached a message like this, but I felt like this was the will of God. And you know, this can be an encouragement. It really can. And you say, Pastor, how in the world can a message that talks about hell be an encouragement? Well, if you're here this morning and you are born again, you're just reminded of a place that you're never going to go. And so you can walk out of here saying, wow, God is so good and salvation is so great. And it is not just salvation, it's a so great salvation. Luke 16 in your Bibles this morning and uh, when you find your place, if you'll stand today, we're going to read our scripture, we're going to pray, I'm going to let you have a seat. But I want you to keep your Bibles open because I'm going to have you turn to four different places today. We're going to use our Bibles this morning in the service and we're going to turn to four different places. Uh, and so uh, I want you to be ready to turn to these places as we go through the message today, if you would. Luke 16 and verse number 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received us thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, five, five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have the word of God. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach on that later. I know the Lord's got a message brewing right there. And he says, in other words, he said, they've got the law and they've got the prophetic books. And he said, you let them hear them. And how many know this morning that there's power in this book that we have in our hand today? And this is not like any other book. This is the Word of God. It's a living book. It's a powerful book. And verse 30, but this is the world. This is the world's argument. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they will repent. In other words, that there was a miracle or a sign or uh, if uh, something fell from heaven. And verse 31, and he said unto, the, unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, in other words, if they won't accept the Word of God, and neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. And how true that is today. You may be seated this morning. And uh, 
I never could get really uh, sound on, uh, you don't have to have a title for a message anyway, but I never could get really secure on what I wanted to call this message. And so I just put on the screen some things you might hear in hell. Uh, I've got up here the sounds of hell, and uh, I thought about calling it the voices from hell. Uh, but I want to uh, just uh, take a few moments this morning, and I want to talk to you about this place called hell. Uh, and again, if you're here this morning and you're born again, well, just walk out of here saying, Lord, you are so good to give me a so great salvation. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, well, this is probably why I'm preaching this message. And so we want you to come to Christ. He's the greatest friend you'll ever have. There's no other Savior like him. There's no other God like him. He is a, a God like no other God. He is the only true God. And, uh, and we want you to know Jesus as your personal Savior today. And, uh, and so let's pray and we'll jump right into the message this morning. Father, we thank you for the good day you've given us at Calvary. And God, I pray that you'll uh, knit our hearts together now. God, I know beyond a doubt that the powers of darkness would love to try to take away from the message and distract. But God, I pray that you'll not allow him to do that. And God, I pray that thy blessing would be here. I pray thy spirit would be here. And Lord, I pray that you will accomplish your will. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this service and this people and this preacher in this message, and God, I pray that you'll accomplish your will today. Maybe maybe today you're going to use this message to burden our heart for those that are lost without Jesus Christ, maybe a family member, maybe a coworker, maybe uh, someone we go to school with, maybe a next-door neighbor, but God, you'd use this challenge to burden our heart for those that are lost and undone without Jesus Christ. We ask you for your power we ask you for your help, your blessing. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. I'm so glad this morning that God has provided salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because of his salvation, I can have, and thank God I do have, a home in heaven. I changed that this morning. I Before this morning, I had that statement, because of his salvation, I can have a home in heaven. I changed that this morning, and I put that little addendum in there. Because of his salvation, I do have a home in heaven. And the Bible says in John 3 and verse number 36, he that believeth on the Son hath presently hath everlasting life. And so I'm not going to inherit heaven one day. I've already got it, brother. I've already got eternal life. I've already got everlasting life. But I do want us to understand this morning, if a person dies without Christ, hell is their eternal destiny. Now, that's not popular preaching. In fact, you don't hear preaching on that very much anymore. That's not politically correct. You, uh, it's not politically correct to talk about hell anymore. Uh, most Sunday services now are usually self-help and, and self-motivation and, and that kind of thing, and I'm not against some of that, but the truth of the matter is the Bible talks about hell. Uh, the doctrine of hell is a very clear and real doctrine. It's just as real as the doctrine of salvation. It's just as real as the doctrine of the heaven. I didn't go back and check it, but someone said that Jesus preached twice as many times on hell as he ever preached on heaven. They tell us that 72% of Americans say they believe in heaven, but only 58% of U.S. adults say they believe in a place called hell, and I believe that. 
In fact, I was reading an article this week from Psychology Today, and the writer of this article said this, and I quote personally, he said, I suspect that belief in hell may create more problems than it solves, and that mature societies seem to do well without it. Uh, But uh, you know what? Regardless of what Psychology Today says, my Bible says there's a hell. And if it's in the Bible, we ought to preach it. Uh, in fact, though, if you go back and do some study, you'll find out that, that, uh, 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 that other articles, in fact, predominating, uh, predominating articles said this, that it's really beneficial for a society to believe in hell. And that society that believes in hell, usually there is a lower rate of crime in those societies that teach and preach on the doctrine of hell. I'm not preaching on this this morning, but may I just mention here very quickly that there is no mention of purgatory in Scripture. And uh, some, uh, some churches and religions want us to believe that there, there's an in-between, that when you die, you don't go to heaven, you don't go to hell, you go to purgatory. And it's in purgatory where your sins are purged and you're cleansed. And once you're cleansed, then you're able to, to go into heaven. The only problem with that is that there's no uh, uh, verses and no scripture to substantiate that in the word of God. And in, in fact, this week I went on the, the Catholic website and read uh, their, what they, their, their grounds for purgatory. And if I might say, they're very, very weak. In fact, it pretty much comes down to what a priest says and not what the Word of God says. Uh, And so there is no purgatory in Scripture. There's also this I want you to understand, and that's that hell uh, will be forever. It will be forever. Uh, Revelation chapter 14, verse 11, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever and they have no uh, rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And by the way, can I just stop and say this? After being saved for 36 years, the worst thing about hell will not be fire. Now, I believe according to Scripture, hell will have fire. I believe it will. But I also believe the worst thing about hell will not be fire. The worst thing about hell will be what Paul just made mention of in 2 Thessalonians. And that is that you'll be separated from the presence of God. That'll be the worst thing about hell, man, is never having access to a loving heavenly father that Brother Rods talked about this morning, to be separated from that loving heavenly father. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 46, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And so uh, hell is not some place that we're gonna go for a few months and party. And uh, you know, one bumper sticker said, I went to hell and I was so bad they sent me back or I went to hell and all my, me and my friends took over. Brother, you won't take over hell with your friends and you won't have parties in hell and there'll be no serving cocktails and, and beach volleyball in hell. I'm telling you, hell will be a place of eternal damnation and eternal punishment. Now, I know that preaching's not popular anymore, but it's still in the word of God. And so hell is an eternal place. Now, one notable thing that I want to uh, draw out this morning about eternity is this, 
that it seems in eternity people will still have access to their senses. They'll still have access to their senses. For instance, we read Luke 16 a while ago. in, In hell, the rich man could see. We notice in Luke 16, verse 23, the Bible says, and in hell, he lift up his eyes. And the Bible says, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So we notice here that uh, he had the uh, ability to see and all of that, but we notice in hell, the rich man could feel. He could feel. He had the sense of sensation. He uh, had the sensation of touch and, and uh, uh, he was able to feel. Luke 16, 24, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And so the, the rich man could feel. It's very real. The, the torment of hell was very real. And, I, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, when I, I, the Lord gave me this message, I had it ready to preach, but I thought, Lord, I think I'm gonna preach something else. And it seemed like the Holy Spirit said to me, they don't need some little, uh, some little sermonette uh, in this day and time. They need somebody that'll just come up there and tell it straight and tell it like it is. And, and, and if you're here this morning and you're messing around with your eternity, I came here to tell you this, that you don't know how many days you have. And if you don't know Christ as Savior, brother, today you ought to make a decision. I'm giving my heart light to Jesus Christ because hell is no joke. The rich man could see. The rich man could feel. But this is what I want to focus on this morning. We notice in hell, the rich man could hear. He could hear. You'll notice in Luke 16, 25, the Bible says, but Abraham said. Now, Abraham and Lazarus were across this great gulf. They were not necessarily in what we would consider to be the the burning part of hell there. They were across the great gulf fixed and and, uh, the rich man could see across that great divide. And, And the Bible says that Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivedest thy good things and likewise Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. But then we notice in verse number 27, the Bible says, then he said. In other words, then the rich man said. In other words, he replied. And the the reason that he replied is because he heard very carefully what was said. And so not only do we see or people see in hell, not only do people feel in hell, but people here in hell. Now, with that thought in mind, can I just take a few moments as we close the service? And I want to tell you some things that you might hear if you were in hell. Let me, let me show you this first thing. How about this? Number one, you might hear the voice of condescension. Now, I want you to take your Bibles this morning, please. We're going to turn to four places. I want you to turn, first of all, to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, and look, if you will, at verse number 16 this morning. This is what we call the story of the rich young ruler. Matthew chapter 16, and uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 16. Matthew 19 and verse number 16. Find your place, say amen. Amen. And behold, one came unto him, uh, came and said unto him, good master, notice this now, what good thing shall I do? 
that I may have eternal life. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear, not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Can I tell you why this man never got saved? Because he was never willing to get lost. Do you know that? He was looking for that thing that he could do to work his way into heaven. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And Jesus began to quote the commandments and the law and, the, and this young man said, Lord, I've done all those things. He said, man, I'm perfect. I've lived, a, I've lived a perfect life. He said, I'm not a sinner like these other people. He said, man, I, my life is moral and my life is clean and my life is pure. And I believe this, I believe that he was a man who felt like he deserved heaven. I've done so many good things. I've done so many great works. I've done so many good acts. I, I've kept the commandments and I believe, I believe if you could, if you could go to hell today, I believe you'd hear the voice of condescension. I believe without a shadow of a doubt, you'd hear men in hell saying, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve to be here. I'm a good man. I was a good citizen. I was a good community activist. I, I was a good church member. My name was on the church roll. My daddy was a charter member. My grandpa was a preacher. Uh, my mama was a Sunday school teacher. I'm a good man. I'm not a sinner like everybody else. You see, hey, sir, I shouldn't be here in hell. I'm not like all these other sinners. You see, I'm a good person. I don't deserve hell. But there's something that all of us need to understand this morning and that's this it's not being a good person that keeps you out of hell Amen. but it's also not a good person that takes you to heaven Amen. it's not of works the Bible says in Titus chapter 3 verse number 5 not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8 for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. My dear friend, we're not saved by being a church member. We're not saved by being a Baptist. We're not saved by being a Pentecostal or a Catholic. We're not saved by being a preacher. We're saved by putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. According to the gospel, the Bible says that Jesus came. He was God's perfect son. And every sin that you've ever committed, Jesus took those sins and he put those sins on himself. And he went to the cross and there he bled and he suffered and died. And they put him in a grave. But thank God, three days later, God raised him from the dead. He's a living, he's a resurrected savior. It's what we call the gospel. And he did all of that so we could be saved. We're not saved. I'm not saved because I'm good. I'm saved because he's good. I'm not saved because I'm faithful. I'm saved because he's faithful. Oh, I believe today if you went to hell, I believe that you'd hear the voice of condescension. How about this? Number two, 
I believe you might hear the voice of convenience. Would you take your Bibles this morning and turn to Acts chapter 24? Acts chapter 24. And look at verse number 24 with me this morning, if you will. Acts chapter 24 and verse number 24. Interesting story. The Bible says in verse number 24, and after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him speak or heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Man, look at this church. And as he, talking about Paul, as Paul reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Well, Paul's letting her rip. Look at this. The Bible says Felix trembled. Man, he, he is, you know what that's called? That's called conviction of the Holy Ghost. Felix is under such great conviction. The Bible says that he's trembling. And the Bible says Felix trembled and answered, watch now, go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. You know what, church, I wonder, I wonder how many people will be in hell one day because they were waiting for a convenient time to get saved. Just waiting. Listen, I don't know how many people are gonna be in hell but if there's gonna be millions there, I guarantee there's gonna be a big million there of people who just, you know what, they meant to get saved. They were gonna get saved, but they were just waiting for that convenient season, that convenient time. Someone may say, preacher, I'm gonna get saved, but I'm gonna do it next year. Or then this is the often, uh, this is often the case. Preacher, I'm gonna get saved, but I tell you what I'll do, I'll do it next Sunday. I'm not gonna get saved this Sunday, but I'll get saved next Sunday. Here's the only problem. You don't know if you've got another Sunday. And you don't know if you've got another day or another month or another year or another breath. Uh, man, listen, uh, we don't know how long we've got. Somebody says, well, preacher, I'm planning to get saved. You know, after I get married, I'm gonna uh, change my life and bring my uh, wife into my life and I'm gonna get saved or I'm gonna get saved after I change my life or I'm gonna get saved after I pay my bills off or I'm gonna get saved uh, when business slows down and I wonder how many people are gonna be in hell one day because they keep waiting on that convenient time. By the way, may I say this this morning? I wonder how many Christians will never serve Jesus Christ because they're just waiting on that convenient time. One of these days, preacher, I'm gonna teach a Sunday school class. One of these days, I'm gonna serve in the ministry. One of these days, I'm gonna be faithful to church. One of these days, I'm gonna sing in the choir. One of these days, I'm gonna get my life right. And the truth of the matter is, one of these days, Jesus is gonna come and our time's gonna be up and we're gonna wish we'd have served Christ when we could. Convenience, convenience. It was 1775 to 1783. It's what we call the American Revolutionary War. And they said that, uh, they said that Colonel Johann Rawl was the commander of the, of the British troops and he was in Trenton, New Jersey. And he was the commander of all the British troops during the Revolutionary War. And they said that one day that he was around the table with several other military important guys and they were playing cards. And all of a sudden a courier came in and said, uh, said Colonel Rawl, said I have a very important message and he handed in the, the message and they said that Colonel Rawl took that message and he just stuck it in his pocket. Well, they were, they were involved in a very important card game. And so he stuck that message in his pocket and they kept on playing cards and they played and played. And then finally the card game was done 
he remembered about that courier and, and, uh, and that message. And so he stuck his hand in his pocket and he pulled that message out and the message said, urgent. General George Washington is now crossing the Delaware. And they said that by the time that Colonel Rawl could, could get his troops mustered and get everybody together, that it's too late. And they said that he lost his life and many of his men lost their lives and the whole regiment was captured. Those that weren't killed were captured. Why? Just waiting. Just waiting. A little bit more time. Just waiting for a more convenient season. Just waiting for more of a convenient day. And man, oh man, I wonder how many people are gonna be in hell one day and say, man, I, I was just waiting. I was just waiting. I didn't know I was gonna wait too long and too late the voice of condescension, the voice of convenience. Then I thought about this, church. You know what I believe you'd hear in hell? I believe you'd hear the voice of compassion. I believe you'd hear the voice of compassion. Would you take your Bibles and turn back with me to Luke 16 again? Luke chapter 16. We read about that rich man at Lazarus this morning and, and when that rich man finally understands that he's not going to be released from hell, we find that a man who before didn't have very much compassion all of a sudden has great compassion. Luke 16, 27, the Bible says, then he said, in other words, once he realized there was no going home, there was no getting out, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would ascend into my father's house. He said, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them. Look at this, church. Lest they also come into this place of torment. You know what? Without a shadow of a doubt, in hell, if you could hear in hell, and I believe you will be able to hear, you'd hear the voice of compassion. You know what I believe? I believe that there'll be parents in hell wishing they could once again speak to their children. I believe there'll be mamas, and I know this is sobering this morning, but I believe there'll be mamas and daddies in hell that will say, man, I wish... I wish you just had one more day. Man, if just one more day, it'd make the difference. I, I wish I could go back. I, I wish I could talk to my daughters. I wish I could talk to my sons. I, I wish I could talk to my grandchildren. I wish I could go back and tell them that hell is real and heaven is real and God is real. And I wish I could go back and I wish I could share Jesus Christ with them. I'm thinking about those parents who, who never cared enough to take their kids to church. Well, Sunday's our only day to rest. Well, you'll be all right. Just come here and sit and rest when you come here. Amen. And, uh, you know, never cared enough to bring their kids to the house of God. It's always something else. It's always the lake. It's always golf. It's always, it's always something else. And never cared enough to bring their kids to the house of God. Never cared enough to make God a part of their home. Man, just as sure as I'm standing here one of these days, there'll be parents in hell that will say, man, if, if I had it to do again, I'd change it. I'd tell my kids about Jesus. I'd point them to the Savior. You know what I believe? I believe there'll be preachers there wishing they could speak to their congregations. I believe there'll be preachers. You say, pastor, that's right. I believe there'll be preachers in hell who, who didn't believe there was a hell who didn't preach the gospel, who told their congregations, you're all right. 
Don't you worry about what that wild Baptist preacher says in Union Grove, North Carolina. You're okay. You just keep doing the best you can and everything's going to be okay. And, and one of these days, God's going to pat you on the head and he's going to bring you into heaven and everybody's going to get their reward. And I believe one of these days, there's going to be preachers in hell that'll say, I wish I could go back. I, I was afraid to preach on hell. Then I was afraid they might take my car away. I was afraid they might take my insurance away. And preachers will say, if I had it to do again, I'd go back and I'd tell my congregation, there is a hell. There is a hell. I think about that story that I heard about the man that was on death row and uh, on the Green Mile. They were walking into his execution and, and uh, it was the uh, warden of the prison and several jailers and, and, uh, and this man was getting ready to die and they said they brought a chaplain in that day and the chaplain was walking down the Green Mile with them and he was reading some scripture just very monotonely, no passion, uh, no burden, no compassion and uh, just reading some scripture and as they walked down there almost to that, uh, uh, to that electric chair. He began to read some, some uh, scripture on hell. And the, the uh, man that was getting ready, his life was getting ready to end, began to focus on the scripture that the preacher was reading. And they said he stopped in the middle of the corridor. He stopped and he said, and looked at the preacher and he said, you know, he said, if you really believed what you're reading, he said, you'd not only not read it monotonely with no passion, but he said, if you really believed it, he said, you shouted from the housetop. He said, if I really believed in the hell that you're talking about, he said, I'd crawl across England on broken glass on my hands and knees if I really believed that. Listen, brother, whether you believe it or not, there is a hell this morning. And by the way, one second after you close your eyes in death, you will become a believer. I think you'd hear the voice of compassion. I believe you'd hear the, I, I believe there'll be friends wishing they could speak to their friends. Friends right now in hell saying, man, I wish I could go back and tell my, my buddies at work it's not the party I thought it was gonna be. Oh, we joked about it and made light of it and <laughs> laughed about it and we made fun of that Christian guy that worked beside us and he was always telling us about Jesus and always telling us about heaven and hell and we joked and pointed fingers at him and made light of what he said, but I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back and, and tell my coworkers that hell is really real. I'm so burdened. Hey, parents, we better start emphasizing Christ in our homes. We're about to lose a nation. Amen, brother. It's not all about me and you, and it's not all about, amen, brother. It's not all about our convenience and everything. You know what? We better get back to the place where some parents start emphasizing Christ in the home. Brother Rodge quoted it this morning. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We better get to that, my dear Man, that story, you've heard it. I haven't told it in a long, long time, but I remember that story. About that young Christian lady, she lived in an apartment building and she lived below a family that was known to be atheists. And she was burdened for them, but she had never witnessed to them. The little boy in the family is a mom and a, mom and a, a dad and, and a son and a daughter. And the son had got very sick, very, very sick. In fact, he was at the point of death. The doctors could not do anything for him any longer. This young Christian lady that lived on the bottom floor, she got burdened and she thought, you know, she said, before he dies, I'm going to go up and I'm going to witness to him. I'm going to tell him about Jesus. 
And so finally, she mustered the, the courage and she began to walk up those, that flight of stairs and she got right there at the door where the atheist family lived. And she could hear through the door. She could hear the family speaking. The son was right at the point of death. And she heard the daddy say to the son, son, don't worry. Don't worry. Your suffering will soon be done. You see, there is no heaven. There's no hell. This will end it for you. Don't worry, son. Hold on. Hold on. The mother chimed in and said, honey, we love you. We never taught you about Jesus. We don't believe in Jesus. We never taught you about heaven or hell. Don't worry. There's no afterlife. Don't worry. There's no eternity. This will end it for you. She said, son, hold on. Hold on, son. A little bit later, the, daughter, the, the, the sister chimed in and she said, uh, brother, she said, you know what mom and dad have taught us and, and there's no heaven, there's no hell. It's gonna soon be okay and you'll be out of your misery. As she said, brother, just hold on, hold on. And then that young Christian lady outside that door heard that little boy say this, but there's nothing to hold on to. There's nothing to hold on to. Man, oh man, I'm glad. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad, brother, when death comes knocking, thank God, I've got something to hold on to. Amen. His name is Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. Thank God, brother, when death comes, I don't have to dread it. I don't have to avoid it. I'm telling you, man, when death comes, I'm just gonna make a transition from this life to the next life, and I'm gonna really start living the. What a place. I believe you might hear the voice of compassion. Let me finish this today. Last of all, can I just say this? Number, number last, number four, I believe you might hear the voice of closeness. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Would you take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Acts chapter 26? And we're done. Acts chapter 26. And would you look at verse number 24 with me, please? Acts chapter 26, verse number 24, the Bible says, and as he thus spake for himself, in other words, the apostle Paul is testifying here of the mercy and grace of God. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus sound with a loud voice, Paul, well, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. You're crazy. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. He said, for the king knoweth of these things before, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner, King Agrippa. Uh, king Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Look at this church. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, what's that next word? Wow. Almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. By the way, we have no record that King Agrippa ever made a decision for Christ. Paul, almost. You just about converted me. I just about became a Christian. I believe if you could, if you could uh, patch a line through to hell today, I believe that you'd hear a king saying, almost, almost. I believe you'd hear some people saying, I was so close. <laughs> man, I was so close. I mean, man, I almost.
Ghost got saved. I believe King Agrippa would say, I heard the gospel. Not only did I hear the gospel, but I heard one of the greatest preachers in Christendom. I heard one of the greatest soul winners in history, but never consciously made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. How many people are gonna be in hell one day who said, I was almost there. I almost made a decision. I almost got saved. I was so close. I mean, it was skin of the teeth. I was almost there. I just about let go of the pew and walked down the aisle. I was getting ready to. I mean, I was getting ready to. And, and, and somebody else came down and talked to the preacher, and so I didn't come or, or I almost went, but I was afraid what my girlfriend might say. I almost went, but I, I was afraid what people in the church might say. I almost got saved. I almost got saved. And but I'm gonna tell you what, close might be good in horseshoes, but it ain't good when it comes to eternity. And if you're here this morning and you don't know that you know that you know that you're born again, I'll tell you what I'd do. I wouldn't wait. Man, I'd run down this aisle. I'd get on this altar. I'd throw myself at the mercy of God and I'd say, God, save me. God, save me. God, save me. I trust you as my savior today. Listen, you do not want to go to a place called hell. What a terrible place it's gonna be. And if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning and you just heard this message, that's what you'll say. I was so close. I attended the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove. I heard Brother Pope preach a message on hell and salvation and the gospel but I never made a decision. And you'll say, I was so close. Man, I was so close. I was so close. If you're here this morning and you don't know, I don't know why I'm preaching this this morning, but I believe, but I believe we're right smack dab in the middle of God's perfect will. Amen. I really do. Brother Rodge could have very easily preached this service this morning and would have done a fantastic job as he did in the 10 o'clock hour. But I felt like in my spirit, I felt like God wanted me to preach this message today. And so if that's the case, I don't believe we're, I believe there's somebody, God's got somebody on his mind this morning. It might be in this room, it might be in another room, it might be at work, it might be at school, it might be your next door neighbor, it might be a mom, a dad, it might be a child, brother, sister. But God wants you to win somebody to Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And very quietly this morning, and honey, you just go ahead and start playing whenever you get ready. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder how many, first of all, how many are here today, and you'd say, preacher, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved. Christ is my Savior. I've been born again. I know what that means. And preacher, I know my name's written in heaven. I have a home in heaven when I die. You say, preacher, I know that beyond a doubt. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up very quickly? You can take it right back down. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Great, great, great. A lot of hands. So let me ask this second question. How many are here today? I'm getting ready to ask you to be honest. And you'd say, preacher, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. I'm 100% sure I want to go. I'm 100% sure I don't want to go to hell. But I'm not sure about heaven. I'm not sure about my salvation. And if that's you this morning, 
Would you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you this morning. Preacher, pray for me. If I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me this morning? You'd slip your hand up. Is there one like that anywhere? I see that. I see that little hand. Is there another? You'd say, Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? Is there another like that anywhere? Anywhere? So let me ask this second question. I wonder how many are here today and you'd say, Pastor, I'm saved. I've already raised my hand about that, but I know somebody. Somebody that I care about. And I doubt very seriously they've ever been born again. And I want to see them get saved. I don't want to see them have to die and go to a Christless hell. You say, Preacher, I'm thinking about them right now in my mind. I I see their face. I'm thinking about their eternity. And you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me that I'll be able to reach them with with the gospel? Right now, you just slip your hand up this morning all over the house. You just slip your hand up. Yeah, a lot of hands. Boy, a lot of hands all over. I, I, I don't know that I've ever done this before, but can I just, just so I know how to pray. I wonder how many are here this morning with our heads bowed, and you'd say, Preacher, I have children. I mean, I have children. They're mine, my children. I have children. Maybe they're, they're grown now, adults. Maybe they have kids of their own. But how many would say, Preacher, I have children and I'm really not sure about their salvation and I want you to help me pray for them. You'd slip your hand up. How many like that this morning? Wow. Wow, quite a few. Quite a few. Can I ask this just so I know how to pray? I wonder how many might be here today. You'd say, Pastor, I have a spouse and I'm just not really sure. I'm not really sure about their salvation. Would you help me pray about that? You'd slip your hand up today. Is there is there any like that today? Preacher, I've got a spouse. I'm really not sure about their salvation. Would you help me pray? How about parents? You say, Preacher, I love my mom and dad, but I'm really not completely sure that my parents are born again. Love mom and dad, but I'm just not sure. Would you help me pray about that? You'd slip your hand up today. How many's like that? Yeah, wow, wow, yeah. Several hands. Hey, Calvary, let's, let's all stand this morning. Father, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. Lord, I, I had no idea who I was going to be preaching to this morning, whether it be mostly our Calvary folk or visitors or who it would be, but I believe this is the message you want me to preach. And so, Father, I... I pray that you're working hearts. I pray you'll save any that might be lost. And then, Lord, I pray that you'll burden our hearts for those loved ones that don't know Christ. Maybe in just a moment, somebody needs to come and kneel at an old-fashioned altar and just say, Lord, would you save my loved one? Would you save Mama? God, would you save Dad? Father, would you save my children? Maybe today somebody needs to come and breathe their name to you. I pray that they'll do that. Have thy way in the invitation, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. We're going to keep our heads bowed just for a moment. If you're here this morning and God spoke to your heart,
why don't you just slip out right now, make your way down to this old-fashioned altar. God burned your heart about somebody that you need to pray for. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? That's right. That's right. That's right. You say, preacher, a loved one of mine's lost. Well, don't ever expect them to get saved if you're not willing to at least pray for them. You say, preacher, I just don't know if I, I, I'm able to witness. You'll never witness until you start praying. God spoke to your heart. Listen, would you come? Old Calvary, man, oh man, are we burdened about souls? Are we burdened? Would you come? Would you come? Amen. Yeah. What about it? Lord, save them. And Lord, would you give would you, would you open the door? Would you open the door so I could so I could get a witness in? How many know this that sometimes family's the hardest ones in the world to witness to? Lord, would you open a door? so I could get an opportunity to witness to them. What about it? What about it? Folks are continuing to come. How about you? Would you come? Would you come? Old Calvary. There's a hell. Man, let's get a burden. Hey, Sunday school teacher, are you absolutely positive that all those kids that you teach in your class are born again? We say, Pastor, I think most of them are, but I'm not sure about one or two. Hey, teacher, don't you think it's about time to get a burden? How about all the children on your bus route? We'll pause just a moment. You come. If God's speaking in your heart, you come this morning. Well, bless your heart. Thank you for being in the Lord's house today. Brother Roger, would you come? I'm going to have you dismissed in a word of prayer, brother. Have you enjoyed having Brother Roger and his family with us today? Man, what a joy.